0: Amidst uncertainty with the Pac-12 media rights deal, should Utah want to stay in the Conference of Champions? We're talking about that and more on today's Locked On Utes.
1: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On YouTube first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is JT. We're still a former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're talking all things future of the Pac-12 as a conference. The world of college football and just college athletics has drastically changed. What is Utah's best option? Is it to stay in the Pac-12? In order to help me discuss and dive into that question even deeper, it's friend of the show and the man who knows everything about expansion, conference media, right deals, everything involving the Pac 12. It's host of the Locked On Pac 12 podcast, Spencer McLaughlin. And Spencer, just answering the question Should Utah want to stay in the Pac 12? I believe they should. I think they're set up for short term success and long term success. Now, the Long-term future of the Pac-12 still up in the air. We don't know how things are going to change with different teams moving and leading conferences, but I believe this is still the best place for Utah to be right now, especially as it turns to trying to build and grow their brand because they have a great opportunity to make the college football playoff in the near future with the expansion coming very soon.
1: Yeah, I think when you dive into that, that question, JT, also great to be back on Locked on Youth as always, everybody. So when you dive into that question, what's the best option? Where should they be? Where should they want to go? you have to understand what perspective you're actually looking at it from. Are you looking at it from a university perspective or are you looking at it from a football perspective? I assume since we're here on the show and people are mostly football fans out there, we're looking at it from a football perspective. If you're not going to get into the Big Ten, then the best place to be for the for Utah is the Pac-12 because going to the Big 12 doesn't really get you that much. It doesn't gain you – it might get you a couple million dollars – but like it's not it's not going to make a dramatic yeah. difference, right? Like It's not going to be that much of a game changer. And the other thing, too, is I think when you look at what the Pac-12 is and can be in the future from a football standpoint, it has the opportunity to be very competitive. It has the opportunity to still be more than viable. I think if you look at the top four and you include Utah in that mix and you compare it to what the top four are going to be in the Big 12 going forward, I think there's a pretty solid case that the pack is stronger in that sense because mm-hmm. your top four going forward, right? Like immediate fear like what once the LA schools depart. So we're talking about 2024. You're gonna have Utah, you're gonna have Oregon, you're gonna have Washington. There's a very real case with the the rate at which Deion Sanders is acquiring talent. Yeah. Colorado could be the fourth, but then you yeah. have teams like Oregon State or Washington state, maybe one of the Arizona schools start to elevate their profile. And you compare that to what the big 12 would provide, which is the only realistic place that Utah could quote unquote, just jump ship and go to, because another question that gets left out of conference realignment talks way, 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 way too often is would the other conference want school X, because people will say all the time. I see it literally every day. Well, Oregon and Washington are just going to go to the big 10. Who said the Big Ten automatically wants Oregon and Washington? There's an argument. It's reasonable, but there is no assumption. There is no given. There is no automatic addition to going into the Big Ten. But the Big 12 is, I think, the league that the Pac-12 should most closely be compared to. I think the ACC as well because they're all three many steps below the Big Ten and the SEC from a competitiveness standpoint on on the one hand, but then also on the media rights front. They're all going to be in a very similar place, I think, once the Pac-12 media deal actually comes down. But a top four of Utah, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, I think looks a lot more favorable in the long run than a top four of, I mean, TCU, yeah, may, Baylor. May, maybe Baylor, um, potentially Oklahoma State. Some people might say Cincinnati, they just lost Luke Fickle. There's no guarantee that they're going to continue Mm -hmm. to be good. He's in the Big Ten now. And you look at the teams they're adding, UCF, Houston, BYU, Cincinnati. I think they're solid, really, really solid independent G5 additions for the Big 12. But are you telling me that they dramatically raise the competitive profile and that they are putting the Big 12 just miles and miles ahead of the Pac-12? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because there is going to be some level of adjustment. And though I think those teams can do some good things and compete in the Big 12, I don't think they're on that level yet, especially with Cincinnati losing Fickle. I think that program was the most poised mm-hmm. to maybe make that jump, but now they move into an unknown space. And I don't trust any, any of the other schools to be a contender right away. So you look at the top four and say, where would you rather be? I, I think the answer is pretty clearly the Pac-12. I
0: 100% agree. I mean, especially when you look at just the level Utah's at right now, coming off back to back, back 12 champs, bringing in their best recruiting class ever, Oregon on the rise, Washington on the rise. It feels like, like we look at the big 12 over, look, I I think TCU's in a really good position, but can they have the same success in year two? Like let's, I still want to see it be proven. I mean, sometimes you can strike lightning in a bottle. We've seen that happen for some college coaches before. I think you look at a place like Baylor. I'm very high on Dave Aranda's program, but they just had a six
1: and Sixth year, I believe,
0: or something six and like seven. that. Yeah, six, six and seven. seven. Thank you. They yeah, got, like that.
1: They, yeah, they got wor- they got worked by Air Force in their bowl game. And by yeah. the way, I, I like Dave Aranda too and the potential mm-hmm. of Baylor's there, but Baylor is not a program that is going to win at a conference championship level year in, year out. That's going to be a nine to eleven win team year in and year out. They they're capable of doing that, but they've never shown themselves capable to do it on a consistent basis. Whereas Utah has put together consecutive 10 win seasons or more. Oregon has done that regularly. Washington is capable of doing that. It, it's just not, it, it's not, there's not as big of a gap. I don't think there's really any gap from a competitiveness standpoint from the Big 12 to the Pac 12 going forward.
0: No, I absolutely agree. And I think, too, the whole reason we're having this conversation of should Utah even stay in the Pac-12 is because of the uncertainty with the media rights deal, right? A lot of people, the Pac-12 yeah. put out that statement. There were a lot of fiery takes about it it's really up in the air. It feels like the media rights deal will get done soon. It's not like it's something that this is going to take. They're going to push way off, and it's going to be a long time coming. But when when do you expect it to get done, and how do you, do you expect it to be kind of what the level of the Big 12 was able to get?
1: Next few weeks is the anticipation because – initially once the big 12 signed their deal the perspective was i think rightly and i shared this opinion no rush for the pac-12 there's no hurry to get it done like the market has now been set you can go evaluate your expansion options get through the media rights negotiations and assess how how best to move forward but now as the time has moved on and on even more there is a little bit of urgency there because as you as you kind of wane on in the calendar year you're looking at a situation where the PAC 12 is getting more desperate by the day. Cause you do need to announce something you got it. Like it has to mm-hmm. happen eventually. Right. Yep. And I think that the length of time I thought we would have it by now, frankly, I, I thought it would be announced. It would have been announced kind of a week or two from w- when we're recording the show prior that hasn't happened probably because the sides are further apart on figures and, and dollar amounts and maybe even expansion teams. Though there's somewhat of a consensus there, than than the Pac-12 would like them to be. So I think that's a a little bit of a concern if you're a Pac-12 fan in terms of what to expect. I I think anything over 30 million would be fine. Mm -hmm. Like you, you you would not be able to look at that and say, "Well, they're going to fall way behind the Big 12 and the ACC." No, they're 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 not. If it comes in under 30 million, yeah, that that would be disappointing, but not all that surprising. I, I think the number where you would say, "Okay, this is an outright." mess of a situation here is if you if you were coming in under 25 million somehow and you were only able to get like low to mid 20s that'd be an issue i I think your your floor needs to be high 20s and your ceiling if somehow i don't i don't anticipate this but george k has said that he's wanted to be in the 40 million dollar range he wanted to be in the 50 million dollar range before usc and ucla left then he came down to 40 That's kind of his goal. That is, I think, shooting for the moon. That's what he's supposed to do. That's how negotiation works. You go way beyond what you expect Mm -hmm. to get, and then you negotiate back towards the center. If they're in the mid-30s here, then they did just fine. If they somehow get 40, they're knocking it out of the park. But as long as they're on par or in the range of the ACC and the Big 12, then all the talk about the Pac-12's supposed demise should just – it needs to just evaporate into the ether there because – there is no major gap like one or two million dollars. If they're that if they're that much below the Big 12 or the ACC, that's a drop in the bucket.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I 100 percent agree. And it feels like that they will be in a good position similar to the other conferences like the ACC, like the Big 12, not the Big 10. And of course, the SEC right now, but no. right where they should be along with those. But other none
1: companies. of the, none of the three conferences that aren't the Big 10 or SEC are going to be able to draw that sort of money, which is why some 100%. schools probably do have an eye on going there one day but 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 that that's that's just not that realistic like you said to the big conference test to want them which is a major sticking correct point for
0: all these schools so correct. it's gonna be really interesting to see how it shakes out one thing that's interesting for the future of the pac-12 is there's been a lot of expansion rumors we're going to talk about how that would impact utah in a moment but first i want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel sportsbook The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the points scored and threes drained. FanDuel has tons of great bets. Salt Lake City, you guys know, that the All-Star Game is coming here. There's lots of great action you can get on for the All-Star Game, as well as everything else revolving around the world of the NBA. So Plus, don't forget FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get No Sweat First Bet on up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Spencer, coming back into this one, there were a lot of rumors flying and swirling around last week because George Koliakoff was seen at SMU, of course. There's lots of talk of expansion, San Diego State. I know you've talked about a number of other schools as well. I think particularly SMU as a Utah fan really excites me because, look, when you're talking about where is the talent at in just the biggest three states that have the talent, it's Texas, it's California, and it's Florida. Utah's not going to have a footprint. The Pac, excuse me, the twelve is not going to have a footprint in Florida. But I think if you can get another one in Texas, in SMU too, which look they have obviously not been as good. I used to live in Texas. You know, it's still a Texas. Texas State, of course, like the Longhorns, still reigns supreme there. But SMU has done some really strong things in the past. And I don't think it's out of the question that they could become one of the prominent forces in the conference if you give them time. I mean, no one thought Utah would be able to do what they've been able to do when they first jumped in the conference, too. So I think it'd be great to get an SMU footprint in there, too. And if you could add another California school like a San Diego State, I think expansion would only be a good thing. And I can already see a future where a game between Utah and SMU would be a Saturday night primetime game because both those programs could be in a good position.
1: Yeah, and you you hit you hit on something very important when discussing realignment here, and I've talked about it extensively on my show, but I would like this take to go as far and wide as possible because it's important to understand. When you are adding programs from the Group of 5 level for realignment, it is not the same as adding Power 5 schools. Mm-hmm. When the SEC adds Oklahoma and Texas, that is to give them immediate brand power, immediate li- legitimacy even further and to strengthen the conference even more when the big 10 adds usc and ucla same sort of deal but for the big 12 and the pac-12 when you're adding these programs or considering adding them and san diego state and smu are the clear top two options i'd say that's the most likely scenario not the only one that could play out but the most likely move from the pac-12 is to add san diego state to keep a presence in southern california and to dip into Texas with SMU. And they're the best option over there for sure, though there are some other schools that are at least interesting. When you add those sorts of programs, it is a long-term play. It is not something too many people are just way too simple-minded on this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, oh, you're replacing USC and UCLA, Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley with San Diego State and SMU. Yes, you are. It is not for 2024. You are adding those programs who are not even going to be full members of the media rights deal whenever this gets announced. Like they are Mm -hmm. not going to earn as much as Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado, you know, and and the 10 remaining schools that are already in place. They are not going to have that. Utah didn't have that right away. That's the way that this always, always works, because what you are doing is allowing that program to kind of make the jump, make the transition, and you're evaluating programs for the long run. Utah was evaluated for what they could do in the long run, which is win back-to-back conference championship games. San Diego State and SMU could 100% be in that sort of discussion Mm -hmm. one day. It's not going to happen in two years. It's not going to happen in one year. It may not happen in five but in 8 to 10 down the line, you're looking at these schools and saying, what could they become? In addition to, at some level, what they are now, because you know adding a UNLV, for instance, could make some sense. Maybe one day they could be good, but gosh, they've been just such a mess for so long. Yeah, it's hard to see the potential there, right? But you look at a place like San Diego State, you look at a place like SMU and say, what could it become? And you look at where they're located, you look at their program history, you look at their investment and commitment to athletics, and both of them are there. And one day they could become programs that do help the strength of your conference overall when you're talking about which teams are in your league. And that is the most important consideration here when discussing a G5 expansion. The same applies, by the way, to the schools the Big 12 are adding. The Big mm-hmm. 12 fanboys everywhere are want to talk about how great their additions are compared to what the Pac-12 is going to add. Well, yeah, but those are also G5 schools who are not going to contend for a conference title right away. BYU would maybe have the best case for it, but I don't think they're in a position to do that right now. They don't recruit at a particularly high level. I think BYU is a good TV addition, but frankly, the, the, the Cougars are kind of a high floor, lower ceiling sort of program because of the way that they can potentially recruit. Whereas Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, those are programs that are not going to contend for conference championships right away. They're not in the same place as Kansas State. They're not in the same place as TCU. They're not in the same place as Baylor. But one day they could become that. Mm-hmm. And you can reasonably see how that is possible. And they're certainly further along on that path than San Diego State and SMU. Not going to deny that. Mm-hmm. But none of those G5 additions are for let's make the conference really strong right now and San Diego State and SMU in one year will be just as good as USC and UCLA. No, it's for what could they become in five to 10 years and then they will be a partial media rights earning member until the next round of media rights are negotiated and then we'll see what sort of contributions they've been making and can continue to make to the conference.
0: I 100% agree, especially on, like you said, I, just, I can't even fathom, like, S of you tried to come in and be like, hey, could you be our new USC? Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: like, it's not, it's, 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 it's not going to happen. Really right. And it, and by the way, the conference is weaker without USC and UCLA. Absolutely. Un, unquestionably, mm-hmm. right? But just sitting there at 10 teams and saying, well, we got punched in the gut. What are we going to do? Like, no, you got to throw yeah. something back. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't just stand there and, and take it. You know, you can't just be Steve Rogers before he takes the Captain America serum, just sitting there in the corner. Like, eventually, yeah. you you got to make an investment. You got to make a commitment to try and be better and add something and adding something, even though it's not what you had before, is better than adding nothing.
0: Yeah, the transfer portal can kind of make it a shortcut for some programs, but I don't think SMU and San Diego State are at that point.
1: SMU has the number seven transfer portal class in the country this year. Oh, there you go, Sweet. and there, the, and and by the way, that happened before, before all this stuff came out yep. about conference realignment, and that's the sort of indicator where you look at and say, okay, so maybe there is some potential, and, and I think the the portal is an interesting point that could determine how quickly San Diego State and SMU are able to turn themselves into contenders because we've seen the right coach be able to take places that haven't been able to bring in a lot of talent Arizona State for instance or and use the portal USC Washington as well and bring in the sort of talent that they need to compete in the conference that they are playing in and do so quickly and when you take two schools and you suddenly make them power five that makes them far more attractive than they previously were
0: Yep, I'm absolutely with you there. And it's going to be interesting to see. We just talked about the potential of like an SMU at San Diego State. We're going to come back in a moment and talk about if there's any other really intriguing expansion team options for the Pac-12 as a conference in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is opening a brand new branch in Vineyard. To celebrate, UCCU is giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terry times 4 UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand. New interactive teller machines or ITMs for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So, celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch. Enter to win a 2023 Kawasaki Terry times 4 UTV when it will be announced in April, just in time for summer fun. So, stop by UCCU's new branch and vineyard, just conveniently located next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at UCCU.com. You don't even have to be a member of UCCU to And there's no purchase necessary. UCCU love where you bank. Spencer coming back into this one. When you were talking about UNLV a little bit, I think that's one that at least intrigues me. But like you mentioned though, too, like they've been a mess for a lot, but man, there's a lot of really talented football players in Vegas. If you can hit on that correctly, I think there's a lot of potential for that there. Um, but Bo- I think Boise State's another one that at least intrigues me in terms of there's. Still- I still think there's a lot of under the radar talent in Idaho, but they don't excite me as much in a UNLV, I'll say, and especially not as much as an SMU or a San Diego State would for the long term of the conference and just looking forward to the future of how I would feel about Utah playing those teams. Are there any other potential teams that you look at that you go, you know what, that'd be a good addition to the Pac-12? And should they even look to, in that case, it'd become the Pac-14, basically. Should they even want to do that?
1: It's an option. It doesn't seem like that's the direction they're going to go in, Mm -hmm. but it is certainly possible, especially when you examine what other conferences are doing, right? The big 12 is now going to be actually at 12 teams. So the Pac could stay there and say, well, we have a comparable conference here that, you know, it is also at 12 teams, but you look at the big 10, which is going to, I think 16. I think the sec is going to 16 with Oklahoma and Texas, Mm -hmm. the ACC is at 14 and then the big 10 or, and then the big 12 and the Pac 12, Will be at at twelve a piece. There, there is appeal, but you have to find candidates from the G five level that won't be dilutive to the media payouts. That, frankly, are hard to find. Yeah, and uh, you know, adding two, I think, makes the most sense. But I I would not be opposed to adding four. But then the yeah. issue that you, that you run into, the potential of a place like UNLV, which is actually more likely to be added than Boise State, even though Boise State could hop. Hop over Fresno State, too. Those two schools, Boise and Fresno, could hop to the Pac 12 tomorrow and at least be middle of the conference teams. I agree. Like they could compete with Cal. They can compete with Arizona. They can compete with Stanford right now. They could compete with Colorado, you know, at least until Dion really, really stacks the roster with a couple of top 10, Mm -hmm. 20 recruiting classes and portal classes as well. But they could do that right away. But this is where the other perspective comes in that I mentioned earlier when you're talking about realignment, there's the football side of it, but football gets affected by what actually is driving realignment. And that's university presidents and university presidents factor, a lot of things into play more than just football. It's, it's a consideration, no doubt. It is a significant portion of what they are looking at, but I don't know that it's even 50%. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that, right. You know, it could be 30 to 40% of what they consider important because Boise state and Fresno state, the reason that they're not going to get added though, I would love to add both because I think they, they do bring a lot to the table athletically. They've got the commitments, they've got the history, they've got the brand power. I think that they bring a lot of really intriguing elements. The reason they will probably get left out of this round of negotiations and realignment is that the big 12 decided not to add them because academically, which the presidents do value tremendously, especially in the pac 12 less so in the big 12 boise state and fresno state don't pass the smell test at least for the pac 12 presidents now i personally don't care right like (laughs) Like, like for people say oh dude why you talk about academics i'm just telling you how they think yep usc and ucla did not go to the big 10 exclusively because it was a great football opportunity that was a big part of it But the amount of money that flows on the research side of things in the Big Ten is tremendous. Like people can harp on the Pac-12. Oh, they care about academics too much. They need to just do blah, 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 blah. No one says that about the Big Ten. And the Big Ten is an elite, elite academic conference. They 100% value that in a big, big way. And so, too, do the Pac-12 presidents. So they will look at a place like Boise and Fresno and say, that's intriguing. That's an option. But at the end of the day, their academic rankings and their standings, and the amount of research they do are not up to standard there. And that is why those two schools won't get considered. UNLV, I believe, is an R1 institution, meaning research one and like the amount that they do and kind of their academic profile is sufficient. But then you look at their athletics and say, boy, that's not bringing a lot to the table, right? I mean, at, at some level, all this realignment stuff is kind of driven by the egos of PAC 12 presidents for mm-hmm. better or worse, or, or presidents of any university in any conference, because it's not just, there, there is no single factor authentication in their minds for what makes a school potential potentially valuable to add to a conference, right? USC and UCLA. Yeah. They bring a big television market. They bring big brands. They bring athletic competitiveness. They do bring all that to the big 10 geographical reach, all that sort of stuff. But those two have long been two of the premier yeah. academic institutions in the pac 12. Mm-hmm. And that is why Stanford and Cal have been thrown around though. I don't think seriously, because their academic they're acad- their athletics are not there. Mm-hmm. They get thrown around with the big 10 as like, well, could they end up going there one day as much as other schools, even though other schools have done better athletically because yep. they are elite and by the way, I don't anticipate that happening. I think they're going to stay in the pack here. Hopefully, I'm not having to eat my words one day. <laughs> but USC and UCLA, if they didn't have the academic prowess that they do possess, they would not have been invited to the Big Ten. That would It, it would not have gone down. But because they had that, they were able to go. And that's another factor of realignment that is, is again, overlooked. People think it's all football. And football is a component. It's not the only component. And it's why, because if you were just looking at football, San Diego State and SMU would still be two teams you'd want to add, but then the pack would want to go to 14 probably with Mm -hmm. Boise State and Fresno. Because Boise State and Fresno can make your conference stronger right away, and it'd be much more comparable to the move the Big 12 made, adding UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. I'm absolutely with you there. And we've talked a lot about team movement now. We nearly had coach movement this past <laughs> week. Yeah. Andy Ludwig nearly left for Notre Dame. It sounds like um, it was released by Pete DeMille, who's basically the Woj or Adam Scheffner of college football. That. He- Basically, there was stuff about the buyout being too much. I don't know. I still feel like if Notre Dame and Andy Ludwig wanted this to work, I still feel like it would made it work. I think there was something whether it was Ludwig staying, just wanting to be at Utah, maybe Notre Dame feeling like something else. There's just something smells fishy there, just being the buyout to me. But either way, Utah able to keep their offensive coordinator. It's huge for them. That would, I mean, it's just not easy to replace when you're going. It's nicer now than let's say like even a couple weeks further on. But like when you're gearing up for spring ball, less than a little over a month away, actually start to spring ball for Utah now too, just getting all these new guys in working them out. It's just a big the headache. You don't want to have to worry about. So it's nice for Utah that they were able to keep their guy, but man, it's crazy to think about what could have been because it would have been quite the scramble then for them to figure out who's next feels like it would have been Jim Harding, but man, it would have been interesting to see how it all shook out.
1: It, it would have been, I, I do think continuity is always preferable to turnover, but though that doesn't mean turnover is always bad or it is an impossible obstacle to overcome. But if I had to choose between the two, I would go with continuity, especially yep. with Cam Rising coming back. Yeah, he's he's a veteran quarterback. You know what you're going to get from him. He understands football really, really well. He probably would have been fine with a new OC. But is it a greater source of comfort for him? Is it a greater source of comfort for the rest of the offense to not have to deal with a new play call or form new relationships? Understand right, coach, having to figure out what you know really makes the offense click and what makes them go. I, I think that's all tremendously important for Utah and would they have been fine? Yeah, I think so. Cause the youth profile football wise has risen to the point where if they mm-hmm. had an opening, they'd be able to find a quality candidate. Yes. I mean, they wouldn't be stuck to just promoting from within or hiring some OC reject from a big school or anything like, like mm-hmm. that. Like that, that's not what where that's not where Utah is at right now with their football program. And I think they would have been okay. But I do think this is the more preferable option. Like, is Andy Ludwig a perfect offensive coordinator? Probably not. Okay. Is there a perfect coach or coordinator out there? Probably not. That's just kind of the way that, like, coaching is really, really hard. Play calling is really, I, I really, really gosh, hard. Yes. And Ludwig has been the offensive architect for a defensively led team in Utah for back-to-back Pac-12 championships. And that that's somebody who you would much rather retain Then have move on elsewhere. I think his interest in Notre Dame was probably legitimate. I -hmm. think it I think he's probably wise to consider that. He could probably get more money at Notre Dame. You get a lot of exposure over there. And again, I think the Pac 12 is a great place to be in a lot of ways. But TV exposure under the current deal is certainly not one of those ways, which is why I'm so curious to see what happens with the next deal. You could get that at Notre Dame. So if Ludwig is thinking about What he wants to do or what he has to do in order to make himself a head coaching candidate one day, Yeah, going to Notre Dame and being the OC is going to get you more visibility, more attractive offers, potentially, or a wider array of offers, perhaps than than being at Utah. But you can still do a lot of great things at Utah and have your profile there grow sufficiently to where you can one day be a head coach if that's that's what he so desires. So I, I think it's a good move for him, but I don't think going to Notre Dame would have been bad. He'd be the top offensive coach and play caller on both staff. So, you know, you don't have anything left to say about him at either place if you're another school evaluating him for a coaching opportunity other than, yeah, OK, that offense is his. He's responsible for what went down here you know, more than just about any other coach. And and that's, I, I think, a good thing for him. But it's good for Utah, certainly, that he came back.
0: Yep, it's absolutely great for Utah. They got him. They got their continuity in place. And it's going to be good to set him up for success. Because It also been, it also
1: would have been weird for for Coach Witt to have lost an assistant because that doesn't happen very often. Yep, lost a like wide
0: receiver ever, coach, but that was just going back to his alma mater at Mississippi State. So it right. really doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't happen too often. I am curious as Utah starts to win more and become a more household name if they don't start to lose assistance a little bit more often. Yeah. But some coaches like Dabo Sweeney just know you know, what the secret sauce is to keeping those guys around at a high-profile program. And, and But even he lost his, his yeah, big-time assistance recently, but it took a lot longer than it would have at at some other places.
0: Yep. It's definitely worked out for Utah and look, help having the continuity in place else, because as we've talked about this year is going to be a gauntlet, not just because of their schedule, but all the talent in the pac 12, it's not going to be easy to repeat. You need every advantage. You can get your hands on. Be interesting to see if they can make it all work out. Big thanks to Spencer as always for joining us. Make sure you guys follow him at smalls 55. Also, if you guys are in the market for a second listen, every day, recommend you check out the locked on college basketball podcast. It's everything you need to know in one place about college basketball. You can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players locked on college basketball available on YouTube and and wherever you get your podcast, Thanks again, Spencer, for joining us. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utes, but we'll see you next week.